accountability mechanisms than we already do have. We have sufficient accountability mechanisms. The industry body that's supposed to hold politicians to account are you and I, the voters, the electorate. If somebody messes up in one place, never vote for that person ever again in another place. The, that's the, simply the problem, it. The problem is you and I pay tax. These people are getting tax. I call it free money. They're getting paid from free money. Once you've maladministrated free money, you should not be getting paid or getting your hands on free money again, moving from one political party to another political party, political party. And that's what the ballot box is for, Mark. But thank you so much for your call. Really, really do appreciate it. Uh, It is 10 o'clock. Time for your news with Luanda Mamet. Independent and impartial. This is SAFM News. Thank you, Oliver. In your top stories, rain suspected to be the cause of the latest dam collapse in Yachesfontein and a former minister to appear in court over the free dairy farm scandal. This is SAFM News. A very good morning. It is believed that the two days of rainfall is what triggered the second collapse of the mine dam in Yachesfontein. The dam burst out last night. Water is still flowing out of the dam. A sludge pump is, be- is being used to pump water coming from the mine dam to open the road. Trucks are on site collecting the water. Residents say they feel unsafe as the rain season is approaching. A former Free State MEC is set to appear in the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court over the Estina Dairy Farm scandal. The multi-million rand project was established by the Provincial Department of Agriculture to empower black farmers. At the time, it was said the project would contribute to the local economy in Friede and improve the livelihoods of residents. But in 2013, it became apparent that the project was mismanaged and it was used to siphon money to the Gupta family. The NPA's investigative directorate spokesperson is Cindy Suessa. We can confirm that a former minister is expected to appear at the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court. The accused is expected to appear on charges of fraud, theft, as well as money laundering and corruption. The National Assembly has passed the National Traffic Amendment Bill. The draft legislation is aimed at reducing the number of road crashes in the country. It will, among other measures, provide for the suspension and cancellation of the registration of an examiner for driving licenses or an examiner of vehicles who have been convicted of serious crimes. Transport Minister Figile Mbalula spoke about the carnage on the roads that are like an albatross on the country's neck. He says these crashes are taking away productive citizens from the economy. He says government will continue to ensure that those who break the law are prosecuted. The bill provides us with more instruments to aggressively tackle the intractable challenge of corruption that continues to bedevil the vehicle and driver licensing system. Our efforts to uproot the cool drink phenomenon, quote unquote, will intensify, will not hesitate to throw the book at those law enforcement officers who continue to allow unlawful conduct on the roads. We are similarly determined to lock up those motorists who bribe our officers. The Mtata Magistrates Court has granted 3,500 rent bail to an Eastern Cape District Court prosecutor after he was charged for alleged links to a rape case. Manzolo Andle Nkubungu and his co-accused in Tutuzelotsozo, who are both in their 30s, appeared in court yesterday. They pleaded not guilty after a 23-year-old university student claimed to have been sexually assaulted while sleeping at the Komani-based prosecutor's house following a night out in December last year. The NPS provided Provincial spokesperson is Lukolo According to the complaint, incident happened after a night out. 
towards the end of December, on the 28th of December, they had been sleeping at the prosecutor's house when she was assaulted by two men. At that time, only one of the accused was linked to the commission of the offense, Mr. Toto. Further investigations now have since linked a prosecutor who was the owner of the house. So he'll train his co-accused when they appear again in court on the 4th of November. The Airlines Association of Southern Africa, AASA, has voiced concern over a shortage in jet fuel supplies at the Cape Town International Airport, saying the airport's company's securing of 2 million litres of fuel may not be enough. A shipment delay due to bad weather has resulted in a shortage of fuel for aircrafts. Access says various contingency plans have been implemented. The AASA spokesperson is Lyndon Benz. Yesterday we were advised that the ship carrying the fuel is running into rough sea and is probably going to be late. It's supposed to arrive in Cape Town Harbour this weekend. For some airlines, as of last night, they were scrambling around trying to make arrangements with each other where they could to see you know, how they could help each other out and keep things flying today and going forward for the rest of the week. AXA are going to give us another update this afternoon, hopefully some relief. They have spoken about getting a delivery of 2 million litres. It sounds a lot. That's not actually a lot of jet fuel. It's probably enough for a day or so. And finally, one of the most powerful storms to hit Vietnam for 20 years has made landfall. The government has ordered thousands of people to evacuate their homes ahead of Typhoon Noru, which ripped through the Philippines earlier this week, leaving at least eight people dead. Despite Noru being downgraded to a tropical depression, people have been urged to remain cautious as Vietnam is vulnerable to destructive storms and flooding due to its long coastline. Recapping your top story, it is believed that two days of rainfall is what has triggered the second collapse of the mine dam in Jachensfontein. The dam burst out last night and water is still flowing out of the dam. For SAFM News, I am Luanda Maume. Your headlines at 10.30. The Talking Point on SAFM. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. Good morning, Oliver. It's Mr. Suleiman. We must get the basics right. Education, health, safety, water, lights, all these simple basics, and you will have the whole country voting for you, especially unemployment. Get the people employed. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Oliver. It's Stitch. There's one other element that misleads South Africans. As the people that you guys called political analysts and some journalists, these people can put their opinion on our faces and make sure that we follow what they say because they, they always have reasons why they say what they say but if their opinion is not what they told us if if it comes up that whatever they told us was wrong they don't come back and account whom do they account to who are these experts account to they are the one who misleads the country at, at some time sometimes um 
good morning uh, uh, my brother uh, this morning you're speaking to Bati from Kabeha now I would just be honest with you uh, the reason why I would vote for for the ANC is the fear of the unknown I do not have any ideas um, fresh ideas in 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 place um, I'm just scared to vote for something I do not know, which is the other opposition. Good morning, Oliver. Okay, to the question that was just asked, I'm not really a member of the ANC, but it's the party that I prefer. Um, personally, without um, you know saying what ideas, or I think first things first, they need to acknowledge that right now they have a leadership crisis, and vote right in december as for me if they can say tm they bring back tm i would be the first one to vote for them anybody else i'm voting the opposition because they don't have it in them to deliver um good morning uh morning this is bread in case again um yeah, the opposition may have some issues, but if you're weighing up issues versus issues, ANC versus DA, uh, yeah, man, I think even Stevie Wonder can see that one, how the scale is tipping. Uh, good morning, Oliver. It's Gosnat here. Uh, as for ANC, let them contest each other. Even they can uh, uh, put uh, some board with a uh, hundred years old. Let them contest each other so that it will be easy to defeat them there by 2024. Because actually we no longer trust ANC simply because they don't do anything about even the current pro problem that we have pertaining the electricity. So what they, they bother is to to look for the green pastures even though they are too old but they are keep on contesting each other so let them contest so that it will be easy for other parties to to take them out of the power we are tired of ANC good morning Oliver I think democracy itself is dying a slow death you can see from all the coalitions that we've had from the UK, where we've had, I don't know how many prime ministers now in the last three years. Um, there's not going to be an outright leader anywhere in the world by, by the next six or seven years because of ideology. But the difference with South Africa and other countries is, like Britain has got systems where provision of services goes on. But with South Africa, you see what's happening Nelson Mandela, Gauteng, whatever happens is affecting um is starting to affect service delivery but i don't see anybody anywhere in the world winning an outright vote and uh, like unless it's americans because they use a different system altogether thanks a lot Jay. Uh, morning oliver i think age is not a factor in politics look how old is uh, john joe biden uh, donald trump all those guys are very old what must take a center stage is the policies. So actually the question should be, is there any other NC leader 
we have got a very different police from the current one. I, I think the politics must be policy-centered than the age center. Age, age is not a matter. Morning, Oliver. It's the young people themselves who are nominating these old useless matalas. It's the youth themselves who thinks that. So you can't blame these mkises and so forth. It's the young people themselves who are nominating them, anonymous. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. 12 minutes after 10 o'clock, you are listening to the Wednesday edition of The Talking Point. Look, we're going to have a very important conversation this hour. We're going to be speaking to the Innovation Fund. And what's coming up very soon is the South Africa Innovation Summit, which is a one of the largest startup events in Africa, which will provide platforms for developing uh, and showcasing African innovation. The fund was established last year. To date, it has dispersed nearly half a billion rand in funding uh, to the businesses and SMEs, um, and they've leveraged their fund. Um, and I'll tell you about that leveraging very, very soon. They claim to have supported over 24 businesses. What are the innovation projects that they are supporting? Um, what has been the impact of it? How can you leverage from it? How can you benefit from it as an entrepreneur, as an innovator, as a creator? What what do you stand to benefit from this, if at all? That conversation is coming up on the other side of this. I'm going to be speaking to Mboneni uh, Maufe, who's the DDG of Socioeconomic Innovation Partnerships, as well as Busimulo, who's one of the benefactors of the Innovation Fund, who's the founder of Saubona Mycelium. Uh, which is a biotech company that uses a fermentation technology to produce skin care products. Or is it Sawana Misalim? Uh, like, uh, like, what's that water uh, that, that people wash their faces with? Masilla water. <laughs> it sounds very similar to that. That's going to be on the other side of this. Let's take a quick break. 16 minutes after 10, you are listening to the Wednesday edition of The Talking Point. My name is Oliver Dixon. The Innovation Fund um, is a brand new fund coming out of the Department of Science and Technology. You know, funding innovation in science and technology, hopefully. Uh, and that's what we assume. But Let's learn more about it. Mboneni Mafia, who is the DDG for Socioeconomic Innovation Partnerships with the Department of Science and Technology, is with us. Mboneni, I want to start the conversation here, and thank you so much for joining us. The Innovation Fund, established last year, um, is relatively new, but has already had a, a purse of nearly half a billion rand. Tell us about this fund. Tell us about what the manifesto of this fund is um, and uh, you know who it, seems to, who it aims to attract. So thanks very much. I think the fund is really um, established primarily to support the commercialization of locally developed innovations and intellectual property. Uh, the challenge that we've always had and said is that there is a lot, for example, of research and development that is happening at our universities, uh, but we don't see a lot of the products that are coming out and being commercialized and therefore making contribution to uh, economies through employment creation and commercialization. So that's basically what the fund intends to uh, to, to do. And um, as you have rightfully said, we have just had two disbursement cycles. We should be doing the third disbursement very soon. 
And this is mainly, uh, we've been given this money just as a pilot to see how the impact of this is going to be. So hopefully we get additional funding to continue with this, with this fund. Yeah. So uh, in terms of who it benefits, uh, we're looking at people who are identifying these uh, innovations that are coming out of research and then wanting to, to really commercialize them. Obviously, there are different funds that goes into this. So we've got an aspect of it that looks at what we call seed funding, uh, and then we've got others that goes into commercial uh, funding. So, for example, you find that in some instances, um, a, a project could go through a lengthy cycle of validation and so on before you can say now it's ready for the market. So. Uh, the ultimate goal is that this fund, after it has been deployed, it must also attract other follow-on funding. It could be from venture capitalists, from angel investors, and so on, uh, who can then, um, uh, what you call it, um, massify the uh, manufacturing if manufacturing is required for that yeah. much, uh, uh, innovation. So of this half a billion rand, that, uh, nearly half a billion rand that has been spent, uh, by the fund, how much of it went to pre-commercialization projects and ideas? So how much of it was early stage funding? So the bulk of it was actually uh, early stage funding, as in I probably I don't uh, really have the figure in head, but I can just say maybe 60% of it has gone to um, pre-commercialization. And it has then, uh, what we were able to easily calculate is how much uh, of uh, on the basis of what we have put down has actually been attracted as additional funding from other sources so we found that for every rand that we've put in we have on average been able to get those funded initiatives attract three more rands into their system so that is basically what we can call is the leveraging uh, effect of our money yeah, that's that's an important leveraging tool, and I do want to get um, to, to to speak to you a little bit about what uh, those uh, additional funding institutions are that that peg its own funding uh, purses to that of the innovation fund. But let's 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 stick to uh, the types of projects that have been funded. How have they been identified? Naturally, of course, and and, and maybe here, uh, give me the filter. What sorts of projects does the innovation fund? Uh, you know, associate itself with and which projects does it not consider at all? It's a it's, it's technology-based uh, project and we, we wouldn't consider anything being, which is not that and we would not consider anything that is really just about I've got a company I want to expand it's not really well funny. What we're doing we're looking at is um, are you really bringing new innovation or an improvement to an existing innovation that can lead to commercialization. Uh, so that's basically what we do. Now, in terms of what, how the decision is taken, what to fund, yeah. um, we actually, as a department, don't make that decision because we don't have uh, the, 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 the expertise yeah. to decide whether this is going to be a good business or not. That was going to be so my next we, question. Is the fund externally and independently managed? So it, it, yeah, it is. We, we give it to the likes of the TIA, the, 
the, which is a technology innovation agency. We also work with the PIC, we also work with the IDC, and then we work with the SME funds and other fund managers like Anza Critical and so on. And what we're doing is that they are the ones who, if Mbonini comes and says, I've got this innovation, uh, I want this amount of money, it's going to be a big business. They are the ones who then go and look at it and they interrogate it and they can come and say, look, we have done our due diligence, we don't think this is going anywhere. So we basically are, as a department, not the ones who would take that decision. It's, it's really uh, the decision that the entities that we have mentioned that have got the capacity to do yeah. so, interrogate and then make that decision. How did you then ensure that your fund managers have the right models? Because typically, large fund managers often overlook uh, you know, seed funding um, or even Series A funding rounds, right? Because they think that the prospects of success there are incredibly low. And oftentimes there are other arbitrary criteria that they apply that may exclude many people who do not fit within that criteria. And, and, it, and I'm saying arbitrary because often it is arbitrary, right? Um, and, and you, you, you know, you don't, you don't want to exclude young people. You want to include as many opportunities as possible. How did you come about selecting your fund managers? So, so we, we, we wanted to uh, firstly select fund managers who we can give a mandate around a whole range of indicators. For example, you have mentioned the issue of young people. We have indicated the issue of uh, black people. We have indicated the issue of women. We have indicated the issues of um, what we call spatial transformation. For, In other words, we don't want all our funds to be allocated to individuals because they're from Haldeng or they're from Western Cape or they're from Devon yeah. uh, while we're leaving the rural area. So, so we had those criteria mapped out to say, you go out and find for us innovations that are going to be based uh, in this, uh, on this criteria. Mm. So, so you therefore um, uh, give them at that level and it's very clear in that uh, when we look even at the amount of money this allocated, where seed funding is acquired, seed funding is given. I think that is really one um, one thing that we have managed to do, uh, in my view, very well. Where you you know that with the bar, a good amount of money has gone into just seeding, ensuring that some of them are out of uh, a particular. Uh, zone they can de-risk enough, uh, but also uh, that where they need uh, support, for example, with prototyping those that need to go, then they can also be assisted with that. Yeah. So when we look at the uh, demographics of our project, so we find that we've got uh, reasonable representation from of initiatives from the Popo, from the Malanga, uh, from Hauteng, from the Western Cape, uh, not all the provinces, I think one, some of the provinces that for the two years we don't have, provinces like the Eastern Cape we don't have, and the Northern Cape we also don't have, and Free State, but the others are covered. And then we also have a good mix of young people and women, and um, a good mix of uh, in terms of race. So those are some of the, at the highest level, what we give out, but in terms of the viability and the um, uh, of a business, we don't take those decisions, but we provide those indicators to say, don't come to us yeah. with, for example, an all 
white or an all male or an all housing whatever uh, uh, portfolio of, of initiatives. Yeah, but will there be opportunities in the future for you to rotate fund manager, include different fund managers that yeah. have narrow, narrow, for instance, a fund manager that says, well, me, I specifically for, uh, uh, identify green hydrogen technology companies and my funding and uh, yeah. criteria is geared towards that. Are those options for fund managers uh, to be Look, included in the future? Yes, those options are there. In fact, uh, the SAB fund, which which you would know, uh, has, uh, because they're, they're partnering with us, they have also now initiated a program where they are identifying, especially um, black fund managers who haven't really had an opportunity. Yeah. Firstly, for training. But secondly, to then introduce uh, them into this program so that going forward, they can partner with them. Because what we find is that we lack these fund managers because they fight, they battle to raise enough capital to get them going. Mm. Now, mm. if we can uh, identify and start um, training them, then you find that then even first or second year under guidance, if they are able to be given something they can really start going so we are looking and and every year we sort of add uh maybe one or two um emerging uh, black fund managers mm. to introduce them into the into the process because if we don't do that uh, it, it's really a very difficult environment to to yeah. get into without uh, some form of of, of a leg up yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about uh, the other funding institutions that um, you know that you've leveraged your funding against. Yeah. One ev- for every one rand you've invested, three rand has come has been leveraged from other yeah. sources. What typically yeah. are those other sources? So uh, we got uh, some of them are government entities uh, such as your PIC, the. Um, 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 what you call it, the, the, the IDC. And then we've got other private uh, uh, investors who have just found themselves excited. I mean, some of them don't want to be mentioned, but I know there's one project on the health side that have now also attracted uh, funding from one of the uh, private, medic- uh, private hospital groups. Um, and so you, you 